Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from The Young Turks, Tom Hartman, and Mother Jones Radio. I mean, people who think that a ghost is going to come up from the sky and and kill everybody they don't like that doesn't agree with them. I mean, that's not just... Uh, that's the real point. It, it, it's it, not just delusional, it's dangerous. That's the real point. It's about killing everybody you don't like. And so this is the ultimate empowerment and revenge fantasy for conservative Christian evangelicals, the idea of a, um, uh, a Jesus who will come down and rain buckets of blood on everyone who does not convert to their particular brand of Christianity. Now, many Christians, I will say, are offended by this type of end-times theology. Right. And many conservative Christian evangelicals even are offended by this game called Left Behind Eternal Forces because they believe that um, this video game indoctrinates children that New Yorkers who resist becoming conservative evangelicals deserve to die, that it is your duty to kill these New Yorkers, and that God will be pleased when you do. We are showing some uh, on on the web stream at the youngturks.com some pictures from the video game, and it's just there's mayhem in the streets. People are being gunned down. People are dead. It's... So I want to explain to people who don't know. This is the latest installment of the entertainment enterprise of Life, uh, Left Behind. So there was the books first, then there was the movies. Now there's the video game. And in the video game, as Jonathan Hudson of TalkToAction.org explains, uh, they go into New York, and it's an interesting city that they picked, uh, and start to is the, are they killing everybody that is not a convert, and why are they killing them, Jonathan? This game um, teaches Christian supremacy. It rehearses children in the mass killing of New Yorkers in the name of Christ. It is a real-time strategy game in which um, uh, you command forces that are armed with modern military weapons, and Christian commandos sweep through the streets of New York, converting or killing all the New Yorkers who do not join them in so, becoming conservative so if they, if, Christians. If they come upon somebody who's not a criminal, just a person, but who doesn't convert, that person would get killed. That's true, and that makes this game a hate-based entertainment and indoctrination product for children. And this is endorsed... And you're saying that's bad. <laughs> and Jonathan, I say that it's a bad thing, yes. Jonathan, this is endorsed by Tim LaHaye, the founder of this entire movement? Well, the... Um, yeah, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins co-wrote the Left Behind novels, and Tim LaHaye has gone out stumping for this game, saying that he hopes that no one is left behind in the market for this video game. And he said in particular that they want to uh, target teenagers. He told the L.A. Times, we hope teenagers like the game. Our real goal is to have no one left behind. And so they're particularly taking pains to market their uh, violent video game to children and it's not really the violence that it's at issue, at issue, but it's the Christian supremacy that makes this game offensive. Well, I mean, the parallel between the Al-Qaeda attacks on 9-11 and this video game that uh, promotes Christian, fundamentalist Christian attacks on, on, on New York yes, are, people. is astounding. I mean, to, of all cities to pick New York, and why did Al-Qaeda attack New York? Because it was the... You know the center of this uh, secular world, and they they needed to be converted or killed. And now here's Christian fundamentalists in this in our own country saying the same thing. I, I don't I can't understand how it wouldn't shock everybody to their core and to their conscience. Well, it's shocking, but it's not coincidental. 
The game company, Left Behind Games, was formed in October 2001, just a few weeks after 9-11. And um, it opens with screenshots of smoke plumes roiling from New York skyscrapers. And it uh, features Christian commandos who roam through the streets, and uh, every time they make a fresh New Yorker kill, they reportedly shout, Praise the Lord! And as the bodies pile up in New York City... Uh, they're never removed and given a decent burial. There are ambulances that, that scream through. They don't pick up any bodies, but ambulances scream through, and they've all got a 911 on the roof of the ambulance. Now, in real life, you would have a Red Cross, or you'd have real New York City ambulances have a Red Cross or a paramedic star on the roof of the ambulances. But these all have a 911 because they're deliberately trying to draw a connection with September 11, and they're trying to profit from the memories of the tragedy caused when planes slammed into the World Trade Center towers as fundamentalist terrorists shouted, praise God. Jonathan, and that's really no different from me, what's going on in this game. Uh, you're giving us great information, Jonathan. I just want to make sure. Have you actually played this or just hearing about this? or Have you, have you seen it? Um, I have not played the game. In fact, no one has played the final uh, version of the game. It's still in development, and they are, are still programming busily um, in the Ukraine this game is not out yet in any capacity? No. Uh, snippets of the game has been previewed in expos around the country, an electronic entertainment expo in Los Angeles. It has been reviewed on GameSpot, GameSpy by LA Times Magazine, okay. New York Times, Chicago Tribune. And these screenshots that you're showing are actual screenshots from the website of Left Behind Games. Okay. All my reporting is based on statements about the game by the company itself and by people who have played the pre-release versions of the game. All right. So oh, wait, in all fairness, you can be the New Yorkers, too, couldn't you? They allow people in a multiplayer mode to go online and play for the forces of the Antichrist. <laughs> However, the game is rigged. If you play for the forces of the Antichrist, you do get to unleash demons that feast on, on Christians. They literally come out and eat the Christian commandos. And while that may sound like fun, they have rigged the game so that the Antichrist forces can never win. And conversely, that means if you play on the side of the Christian commandos, you can never lose. Right. <laughs> so that begs the question, is this really a game or merely a tool for indoctrination, for teaching children well, that um, they... Jonathan, yeah. to be fair, though, hasn't God also rigged the game so the Christians <laughs> win <laughs> against the force of darkness? Uh, by the way, I guess so the Antichrist people would be the New Yorkers. Well, New Yorkers who are not uh, conservative Christian evangelicals. Right. Right. So you mean there's like 100 if, people If you're a Catholic, if you're a Jew, if you're a, a liberal Christian, so if like, you're a moderate mainstream Christian, but not their brand of Christian, then by definition, you cannot remain neutral. You must choose one side or the other. And if you do not become a conservative evangelical, by definition, you are a host of the Antichrist and deserve to die. Well, I, w I would just like to point out that the uh, Italian-American and Irish-American, uh, of Irish-American, of which there are a gazillion in the New York Fire Department, uh, those and almost certainly Catholic, those guys are uh, forces of the Antichrist. So the firefighters of New York are mainly made up forces of the Antichrist. Right. these people.
the rapture ready websites one of the one of the blogs in fact it's called rapture ready the blog uh bbcom the website oh happy day the title of the thread is it time to get excited i can't help the way i feel for the first time in my christian walk i have no doubt that the day of the lord's appearing is upon us the war in the middle east There are people in this government, in this administration, who believe that war in the Middle East is a good thing because it will cause Jesus to return to earth. Or the the post-millennialists, that it will cause the beginning of the thousand years that will end with Jesus returning to earth. The the big debate between the pre-millennialists and the post-millennialists, but nonetheless... That you know, it's a in their mind, it's a good thing, and this is this is truly, truly spooky. And speaking of of that that crowd broadly, the the the, the fundamentalist cult within mainstream Christianity. Well, it's outside of mainstream Christianity, actually. The fundamentalist cult in uh, in Christianity. Ralph Reed, his primary a week away. GQ, Gentleman, Gentleman Quarterly, I think it used to be called, maybe it's just called GQ now, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the new magazine has a piece out, this uh, over at uh, tpmmuckraker.com, the, the website. They say in advance of its August publication date, GQ has released a big piece on Ralph Reed today with one gem in particular, a plan hatched by Reed and Jack Abramoff, which sounds suspiciously like mortgaging old black people, as a former Reed associate told the magazine. No, I'm not kidding. Now, by the way, at the same time, in today's Wall Street Journal, in today's Wall Street Journal, an article about how Ralph Reed has raised $2.5 million for his run for attorney general for Georgia, and... uh, the Wall Street Journal notes, Reed counts on potent turnout operations. Well, you know, of course, he's got he's got all these churches on his side. Well, here's here's how it worked. Back in the day, back a few years back, Jack Abramoff came up with this scheme, and it was really a variation on the old Walmart employee scheme where where various large corporations it was called, you know, dead worker insurance. They were they would take out insurance, particularly companies that hired a lot of elderly people or older people or not even necessarily elderly or older. Let's say over 50 people, age, you know, over age 50 uh, with the Walmart greeters and whatnot. They would take out life insurance policies on them, make themselves the beneficiary. The corporation would take out the policy. It would make itself the beneficiary and not tell the person that they'd taken out the life insurance policy when the person dies then the corporation makes a whole pile of money. And, you know, this got outed back three, four years ago, and I think much of corporate America has stopped doing it because it was just viewed by so many people as just repugnant. 
Although there are, as far as I know, there are still still corporations that are doing this. There have been you know efforts to legislate against it, which have been largely unsuccessful. So anyhow, Jack Abramoff came up with an idea very similar to this. He went to the uh, Tigua tribe, a Texas Native American tribe, uh, a rather poor tribe. They didn't have a big fancy casino. And he said, uh, you know, you want to hire me as a lobbyist? Let's set up a deal where every Tigua, every, every, every Indian in this tribe, every Native American in this tribe who's 75 years old or older, I'll buy a life insurance policy on them. I'll be the beneficiary of that life insurance policy. I'll pay for the life insurance policy. It's not going to cost you anything. But I get paid off when they die. And then that, that will be the way that you can hire me. I'll be paid that way. Right? And it was the dead Indian policy uh, scheme that Jack Abramoff came up with. Well, the Tigua turned him down. And they said, that's eh, uh, no. <laughs> Give me a break. But uh, Ralph Reed, apparently, and uh, Jack Abramoff uh, thought, you know, this is a pretty good idea. If the Tigua don't want to go for it, uh, maybe Ralph Reed's connections with the Christian churches in Georgia, particularly the black churches, where you have higher mortality rates, people are more likely, African-Americans, more likely to have heart disease, more likely to have hypertension strokes, more likely to die at an early age. Uh, Let's do this thing with some of the black churches down there. This is from Jack Abramoff's email to Ralph Reed. Quote, per our previous discussion, let me know how we can move forward to chat with folks who can set this up with African-American elders. It can be huge. Thanks. Attached to it was a document titled Charity Elder Program 2.doc. Three days later, Ralph Reed replies. He says, yes, it looks interesting. I assume you'll set up a meeting in D.C. as a next step or whatever we should do next. Let me know. The article continues to point out, Reed would have been the point man with the church leaders, one assumes, ushering them through the sticky process of getting all of their elders to sign up for life insurance policies payable to Jack Abramoff and Ralph Reed. Amazing. And, you know, the Republicans uh, gung-ho behind this guy. It's, as, as John Dean points out, these these are these people are not conservative and they don't have a conscience. I mean, that's what it, that's just what it comes down to. There's no other way to sum it. Gary Hart. He has released God and Caesar in America, an essay on religion and politics. The author, not unknown. In fact, because of his essays, with more to come, he's becoming something of a, oh gosh, I don't know, Senator Gary Hart. I guess we're calling you more of an elder statesman now on these issues there. (laughs) I I don't mind if you drop the elderly. (laughs) Not elderly. Quite a difference there. So what prompted you to write this? Uh, Too many of us, myself, Jimmy Carter, and others who have 
some background in evangelical Christianity have been too silent for too long and let the religious right dominate the debate in America, or the discussion in America about the role of religion in the lives of political figures and in society. Now, this is since the days of Jonathan Edwards and the, and the Great Awakening. Uh, religion and religious revivals, particularly, have been a well-known phenomenon in American history. Certainly the whole era of Billy Graham, almost half a century, highlights that. So it, it's nothing new. What is new is the, the religious rights intrusion into a single political party, in this case the Republican Party, and the domination, its domination of the social debate in America for the past 15 or 20 years. One important contribution that you make in your essay is the idea that while religion does have the potential to harm politics, politics, in fact, has the, the potential to harm religion as appropriately practiced. Can you talk about that? Well, I think that's, I mean, any reading of the First Amendment, the separation of church and state, that was what the founders were concerned about. Of course, they came out of the one or two generations removed the turmoil of Europe, where church and state were often merged, and kings selected popes and popes selected kings, and quite often you couldn't tell the difference between the church and the state. And what they realized was that not only was the church a danger to the state, but the state was a danger to the church. And I think the people who are demanding that the United States government operate according to their religious beliefs are courting disaster because the very very same state that they want to empower to achieve their objectives can turn around and crush them uh, if it becomes the kind of theocracy that they seem to want. Let's look at the situation as it's already set up with the Bush administration and the strong influence of the religious right. They were already seeing its influence on the Supreme Court, and there are other long-lasting trends that are being put in place at this point. If we were even today, at this moment, to start turning around the tide against religious influence in American politics, we still will have to deal with the aftermath for some time. Yes. Oh, no question, and particularly in the judiciary. I mean, you have, as I say, you have a Republican Party now very much dominated by the religious right, not just on the national level. I mean, at the local level here in Colorado, and this is the home of the focus on the family, and it's dozens of spinoffs, People can't, in some venues, can't run for county commissioner or school board without the approval of the local Republican Party dominated by religious figures and people with the religious right agenda. So this is a, uh, as I say, a threatened theocracy that permeates the entire fabric of American politics. Now, I think it's important to say that religion is always going to play a, a role in American public life, is, as it should. No question about it. The founders were very open to that subject. They weren't saying, if you are engaged in the public life of this country, you can't have or express any religious beliefs. Quite to the contrary. In God we trust. The Senate is open with the prayer, and so on. So it wasn't as if this was a, an anti-clerical, anti-religious republic that was created. It, it, the founders fully acknowledged the role of religion in American public life, and no one's denying that. The question is, when you seek to impose your religious beliefs on others through 
the political process, and that's when it becomes very, very dangerous. The radical right is very much inclined to engage in character assassination. If they don't like the message, they're just as inclined to shoot the messenger. You have a political history that's very strong, but you do have some baggage from your run from the pre- for the presidency, uh, and you had to withdraw from that presidential runs under accusations of adultery. I didn't have to. I chose to. But thank you for the correction on that. You, you chose to, to pull out of the race. Do you feel now that you're sticking out your neck on important issues in a way that endangers that to come back and once again say, well, who is he to talk about religion? Look at who he is. Well, again, uh, the answer is no. Uh, and, and frankly, in the four or five months since this essay has been out, I have yet to frankly confront that question. That's the first time anybody's asked that. As I say, I came out, I went to a church college. I am a graduate of the Yale Divinity School. Uh, I've been pretty outspoken since this issue has arisen about my own beliefs and will continue to be, but I have yet to have one person question my standard to be able to discuss this question. Uh, We all know the president had his own uh, personal problems with uh, drinking. Uh, I haven't, frankly, run into anybody in public life, from presidents on down, who, who is a perfect person. So, um, and I never claimed to be perfect. Oh, just to, just to clarify, Senator, this is not meant to be an attack on you. I'm talking about an atmosphere where Max Cleland can be called, you know, unpatriotic. That's that's the atmosphere we're working in today. Right. I really thank you for your time. Great pleasure. Thank you. Gary Hart's book is God and Caesar in America, an essay on religion and politics. He'll be publishing in September, The Courage of Our Convictions, a manifesto for Democrats. Where do we go? Nobody knows. I've got to say I'm on my way down. God give me style and give me grace God put a smile upon my face I guess everybody's better judgment. I'm going to take John in Baltimore on line one. Hey, John. You know what? I guess your screen is didn't protect me like me, huh? Uh, I guess not. Well, uh, uh, here's, here's, here's what you here's got. Here's the deal. Uh, I've been home a long, long time through those horrible stacks of commercials, almost as bad as AM radio when Howard was on. Here we go. I'm a Democrat for most of my Well, yeah, I guess I am. I've been all my life. One of the questions I have is this. Just give me a chance. Would all of you have volunteered for World War II? I just, I just, I just want to, yes, you know. Yes, go ahead. Yes, we would. Of course. Fine. All right. Now, my next thing is this. I, I you know, I, I understand the, what, what you're espousing as far as, as, far as Muslims uh, go. But the thing of it is, and, and a lot of the lefties, you know, are, are talking about the same thing. Um, do, do you want, do you know what kind of a world it would be if Muslims ruled? I mean, why do you think Israel doesn't need to protect themselves? Look at what's going on in, in, in you know in the past. I love all these guys. That, the world hates the Jews. Now, forget America. The Jews are hated everywhere. The world hates the Jews. France, you know, North Africa, all the countries, you know, in, in, in that area, and particularly France and Europe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, whereas they but, love but, the but, Muslims. The Nazi bootlickers, you know, the Vichys. They, so what's the big deal? I mean, look what, look, what, look what the Muslim religion espouses. I don't care about the Koran. Made up book anyway. Let me hear what you got to say. So are you, what's your point, though? You're saying the Muslim religion, uh, what? I don't believe what you are. I don't think for one minute you believe what you're saying. Or the other fellow. I don't know his name. Uh, uh, yeah, RJ. It's a difficult name. Yeah, RJ. You, you can't tell me that this world, they want to drive us back into the dark ages. Uh-huh. Now, don't you don't you see that, John? I mean, before know? John, before I get into uh, explaining, you know, very very obvious things to you, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, do you think it's all Muslims? Is that what you're I, I, you you know the truth? I think it's I think it's a big big majority of Muslims. Yeah, I, I sure do. Okay, I, right. I sure do. All right. So, uh, for example, I'm Muslim. Do you think I want to drive you into the dark ages? I think that you have a uh, there's probably a lot of um, feeling against against this country and and I'm quite sure that you don't think the Jews too much which is fine you know most people don't but you know John yeah, you know I, are you you're, you're cracking me up I love it because well, of course it's because I listen to Howard every morning come on man give me a break no I know I guess you first first of all Howard's not racist like you are second of all John listen to me. Welcome. Because you're telling me about how uh, the Muslims are, you know, racist against the Jews and the whole world's racist against the Jews. You make gross generalizations about all Muslims. And you don't see the irony in that at all? Well, it's very much like I thought Mickey Mouse was the greatest player that ever lived. That, that's, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I can say that. I think a majority of Muslims hate this country. Now, what, what did you read to learn that, John? I mean, wh- where, where are your it's sources? Just, it's, have I you been have... reading, uh, uh, have you read any books on the subject? I've have read you... a lot of books. I'll give you three books that back up my point of view if you'll give me three to back up yours. Otherwise, I'd say go home and educate yourself before you spout these ignorant opinions. Wait a minute. There's nothing written. This is how you feel. What is this touchy-feely time? You're talking about racism about an entire group of people. Now you say, hey, it's how I feel. Well, how you feel is ignorance. So educate yourself. Go home. And when you got some common sense, get back on the goddamn radio. You let the Muslims, you know, take the country over. See how you feel. Oh, you think the Muslims are taking the country over? See what kind of literary... Is that the biggest worry in your life, that it's going to be the Muslim states of America tomorrow? Is that your biggest fear? Well, what do you Because I think you got to be a little more reality-based if that's what you're afraid right, of. Let me, then what, what, what do you think? What, 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 what exactly right. is your opinion on what's going on over in the Mideast? All right. What, what John, are we fighting on? John, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Let me educate your sorry ass. <laughs> all right. Here, here, first of all... Uh, the idea of Muslims taking over the country. Yeah, they're on the precipice of toppling San Antonio as we speak. Uh, Remember I, the Alamo. Yeah, I think the Muslims are. Uh, I can't name any ethnic group in America that's more disempowered, that has less power than Muslim Americans. Second of all, why do you think those Muslims came here? Is it because they hate America, or could it be because they love America, and they wanted to escape, for example, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, and so they came here. They wanted to escape uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran, so they came here, and they believed in the idea of America and the principles of America. One of the ideas of America is freedom and equality. And obviously, you missed that in school, John, because they came here for that because they love it, and then they met you. And you're telling them that they, they're not equal to you and that they have a secret agenda and that they hate America. And you're uh, prejudging everything they stand for and everything they are before you even met them when, ironically, they came here 
so that they wouldn't be prejudged, so that they would be treated equally and fairly, and they would have the same opportunity as everybody else. And you yeah, know what? You know what gets slowly take over the United States with that freedom. And you know what gets me about this is that you know my Jewish relatives, my grandparents, my grandfather and his brothers, they came here. My grandfather opened a tailor shop. His brother drove a cab for 40 years in New York City. Now Muslims are doing the same thing for the same reason to get a piece of the American dream, and God bless them for it. And my 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 Jewish relatives faced exactly this kind of. Everybody said they wanted to take over. Now it's the Muslims that want to take over when RJ, all they want to do is do get a really better life think, for them and their family. Do you really think the United States has benefited from the Jewish community coming in? <laughs> I mean, really. Hey, have you watched a movie lately? I mean, of course they've benefited I, from the Jewish community. I think community we can see in. that was a bad move on us allowing them in. So just let's keep the Muslims out. <laughs> all right, so let me get real here for a second. So uh, are all Muslims peace-loving people and they're not involved in any wars? Of course not. That's ridiculous. They're human beings just like everybody else. And, yes, they're involved in a war, for example. Now there's a flare-up in, in the Palestinian territories with Hamas, for example. Now, gee, I wonder why they're involved in that war is it because they love war or is it perhaps because they're occupied hmm, may perhaps if you weren't occupying them in the west bank and the gaza strip there wouldn't be a, a need for them to be so violent quote unquote second of all you want to talk about how uh, uh, religion is violent one of the religions is violent which religion did the crusades which religion did world war one which religion did world war two which religion did the grand inquisition which religion did racism Christianity. I guess the Christians are soaked in blood murderers. Every single one of them, John. Every single one of them. According to your logic. Look, right? and, I, and I hate to bring this up, but uh, the um, National Socialist Party, otherwise known as the Nazi Party of Germany, also very strongly identified itself as Christian. They and had on their uh, buckle belts, Gott mit uns. It means God is with us. The Christian God was with the Nazis. So I guess all Christians are terrible, evil people that want to take over the world and kill everybody else. And if you take the logic of a Mich Michelle Malkin or our caller, that every Muslim or every anybody else is a killer, then there's only one solution. And that's the final solution. And that's extermination. And that's what these people are really driving towards, whether they're smart enough to realize it or too ignorant to realize it. That's where they're going. And that's why it's no more Mr. Nice Jew when I talk to these guys. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, Muslims, of course, are human beings like everybody else. I can't believe we have to explain that to people in right. the year 2006 in the United States of America. The question is a, a question of culture. You're not surprised. I mean, you're not surprised we still have to explain that. I mean, Bill O'Reilly is popular. People watch him. People agree with him. There's a lot of dumb people out there. The real problem is religious fundamentalism, okay? Uh, the people who want to drive you to more wars are not Muslims, Christians, or Jews. They're fundamentalist Hello. Muslims, fundamentalist Christians, fundamentalist Jews. The fundamentalist Jews that won't give up occupied territories in Israel. The fundamentalist Christians here in America who believe in Armageddon and believe more wars in the Middle East was going to bring Jesus. The fundamentalist Muslims that do the bombings throughout the Middle East. Amen, brother. That's the real problem, and that's what we have to fight, and we have to fight ignorance like John's even here in the United States. Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift The baffled king composing Could it be that the uh, that uh, religion is the root of all terrorism? 
Vel Nerdist is with us. The uh, book, The Pitfall of Truth, Holy War, Its Rationale and Folly, and the website rootoutterrorism.com. Vel, welcome to the program. Thank you. Vel, root out terrorism. What is the root of terrorism? Well, in my view, the root of terrorism is, if you look at terrorism in a wider sense of violence that uh, is inspired by various ideas as we've seen throughout history, uh, in my view, it is a totally unsubstantiatable uh, view that we can know the truth and uh, and as a result, whenever we come up with something nice and plausible and interesting, um, the authors of that idea advertise it as ultimate truth. And, and the truth is that strange magnetic thing about it or electrifying thing about it where we're willing to just uh, go ahead and impose it. Now, now it, it sounds like what you're describing is either revealed religion uh, you know, religion where somebody says, God came down and told me this, that That's right. you know, gave me these tablets or gave me this insight or, 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 or you know, endowed me with the ability to speak on, on God's behalf, uh, number one. Or number two, a philosophy, for example, uh, the, well, you could, you know, take your pick. I mean, you know, communism, capitalism, uh, the objectivism, libertarianism, uh, a philosophy that uh, neo, the neocons, uh, neoconservatism, a philosophy that says uh, we know that this philosophy is going to produce a utopian world. Uh, we've got uh, a superstructure of logic that supports that belief. Uh, we don't have any proof. We've never done it, but uh, we're pretty sure it's right. Well, that is perfectly what's happening. As soon as we manage to convince, to convince ourselves and our uh, find a following to this idea, the following gets so electrified and uh, the idea is so nice and beautiful and all of a sudden everything will be wonderful, everyone will be living happily ever after, that just people go to extreme means to impose that, especially if the if that doctrine is couched in in very convincing terminology and you know now we have people throughout the Middle East who are just convinced that it's enough to you know strap explosives on themselves and press a button and voila you are in paradise and having good time with well on the other hand you've got a guy in the White House who is convinced that if you can impose a democracy on somebody at the barrel of a gun that's going to cause them to suddenly love us and everything is going to be fine I mean, isn't that equally nutty? It is not equally nutty, I would say. I would, uh, what is nutty is the idea that democracy can be imposed just as democracy, just as a set of rules. That, I think, is nonsensical. In fact, on my website, rutaterrorism.com, uh, under my blog tab, there is a whole discussion of, of democracy that's called 2 plus 2, a democracy in the Middle East. Yeah. Which, you know, of which the first paragraph says, let's have a vote. Basically, how much is two plus two? You cannot, you cannot, uh, have a democracy until you have an underpinning understanding by the population that there are all sorts of various opinions and all sorts of various interests and that they're not necessarily all wrong, all right, and that nobody has a uh, monopoly on truth, and that is extremely important, and that is the foundation.
foundation of democracy. Well, these, this is the point that Plato made. This is the point that Jefferson made. This is the, the point that Alexis de Tocqueville made. This is the point that I'd say probably the last president to have made it was Dwight Eisenhower, is, is that in order to have a functional democracy, there are two absolute prerequisites. The first is a middle class, and the second is an educated populace with access to unbiased, uh, a wide variety of unbiased information so that they can make reasonable decisions since they're the ones running the running the running the show in a democracy and increasingly that's not the case in the united states and certainly that's not the case in many of the theocracies and the kingdoms of the middle east well i would certainly add to that to to these two prerequisites a prerequisite of understanding of the limitation of our own abilities because without that you know we each of us suddenly you know jumps to our favorite conclusion and all of a sudden we know the truth and all of a sudden we just go ahead and uh, kill and are killed for the sake of that particular truth with a capital T. It is very, very important to understand, first and foremost, that the most underpinning notion that we've got to have is that we cannot know certain things. It's not even that it is hard to know them. It is impossible to know them. So well, isn't that in and of itself an article of faith? Well, that is a fact of reality. You know, if well, well, wait a minute. That's what that's what all the you know the revealed religions and the we know how you know the the revealed political system folks say. You know, no, no, no. This is this is a, a fact of reality that uh, you know that uh, Muhammad was the prophet or that uh, uh, you know and, fill in and the we blank. We cannot right? conclude that. The problem is that we cannot conclude. We we can look at the moon. Let me just give you a simple example. We can look at the moon and say the moon is round. And this is a piece of reality. But so it's, the, not rea- it's, it's not round. It's irregular. All right. Let me just rephrase this. <laughs> and the earth isn't round. It's pear-shaped. Well, let me give you any law of physics, the law of gravitation. Is that a piece of reality? Well, it is at this moment, at this speed. But if you accelerate it to 99.9% of the speed of light, it's no longer a law including, of reality. Including the law that if you accelerate it to 99% of the speed of light, it is no longer a law. This whole, you know, which in, in other words, you're saying that there are there are some truths that are final that can be known. That two plus two does equal four. Period. End of discussion. Well, that is one thing. But what I'm trying to say is that in all the religious uh, theories, there is one hidden premise, and that is that we can know whether the prophet speaks the truth that he right. did spoke to God. And what my the whole book is simply a uh, a refutation of that single hidden premise where i say no this is simply impossible by the nature of things very much like it is impossible to go past speed of light for example to right but then but then you get the response where people uh, christians for example would quote uh, or paraphrase paul and say you know uh, faith is belief in the things unseen um and uh, so and my the, answer to that, if you want it, sure. my answer to that is that we then no longer have faith, but what we do have, to use religious terminology, is idol worship. And it is very, very important to understand that not all religiosity is kind of uniform. There are two very, very different and fundamentally different modes of religiosity. One of them called faith or spirituality, and another one is called idol worship. People who do have faith or who are spiritual people just look around them, realize that there is a God, and the world kind of gives them awe. They just all of a sudden they really strike them 
It's such an awesome, beautiful place. Yeah, and, and you articulated that in the very last sentence of your book. You say we must learn to satisfy our thirst for faith with one single truth, that God indeed is. But, but, then, but, but, what, but what, Vel, uh, Vel Nerdis, the author of, uh, of the, the Pitfall of Truth website, wroteoutterrorism.com, what if gods are, not God is? Well, it, it just doesn't really matter to me. Whatever, whatever general statement of faith you have, mm-hmm. unless you go beyond that and start going into particulars and say, oh, you know what, I know that Muhammad is the prophet. Yeah. In other words, you're saying, you know, stick to the mystical end of things. When you turn it into a religion and a dogma and you absolutely believe in it and then you're willing to go out and die or kill for it, then it becomes a toxic thing. Is that the well, uh, I, summary I'm of your point? Is, we only have a few seconds left. Right, what I'm saying is that certainty in religion is tantamount to idolatry. There is really no, no difference between them. A person who knows for certain that his religion is true is an idol worshiper. You know, Mark Twain has a wonderful, wonderful quotation. He says, the easy confidence with which I know that another person's religion is false teaches me to suspect that my own is also. And that is a wonderful, wonderful maxim to take, I think. Very interesting. Vel Nerdist, the book is The Pitfall of Truth, the website rootoutterrorism.com. Uh, it's a conversation that uh, probably more of us should be having about you know the difference between religion and spirituality, and certainly, uh, I think uh, among the fundamentalists in the world, uh, something that a confrontation that should be happening. But good luck to both of us, eh? Like like the guy we just had on, like, Jr. is just a, a good Christian for crying out loud, and he, yeah, he gets included in that. They're they're happy to have him, but you know, the, the, it is it is sort of regular Christians who don't believe this nonsense. And by the way, fifty nine percent may say they're in the end times. I agree with you, Wes, but I think as Jonathan said, any number of those people they say they believe it, but they don't do anything. Toward believing it. What, they you're saying they're getting the polling call and, like, the kids are crying and dinner's getting cold on the table? Like, yeah, 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 I believe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, end like time. the end time. Whatever. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> it seems like the No, but, I mean, you ask people if they're evangelical Christians, I think a lot of people will say yes, but they don't then think. I don't know. I, you, play you, go, you go to Atlanta, right? I do. I Pretty often. Yeah, and I lived in South Carolina for, for five years. Because when I was in Little Rock in June mm-hmm. and just driving around the South, the size of the mega churches. And that they're everywhere is really, it's astounding. I, I, I hear you, but of course there's there a bunch of mega churches in this country cater to a fairly moderate Christian audience, too. So Not the ones down there. That, I understand, but like that guy... See, Ben is too, he, he doesn't want to believe that these people are actually crazy. No, no, I do want to believe they're crazy. The whole argument we're having is whether it's three and five or one and five. And I think it's more like one and five. That's All, all. right, well that's a fair yeah. argument. Yeah, I oh, think... no, I, there are people who believe it, and there are a lot of them, and they're nuts. Right, and I think the two and five, I think you're right in saying, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the Antichrist is out there. I believe in the end times. Am I going to do anything about it? No, don't no. be ridiculous. Oh, yeah, no. I, I'm not saying 59% want it. To, well, maybe they do. But but look, if you have a population but, where you have even 10 or 15% of the people rooting for the end times, you got a problem. I agree, exactly. I, I agree completely. And I think what it is is that 20% says, yes, I want there to be a bigger war in the Middle East so that Jesus Christ can come back. And the two out of five say, well, I understand that might happen, but I'm not rooting for a war in the bigger war in the Middle East. No, they're, like, they're like bomber on that. And when you talk about that, that, that in the five people who are the most important decision makers in the United States of America, it's five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> then, you yeah. Got no, a ser- then you have a serious problem. Exactly right. Let's take a quick call here. Let's go to Kevin in Georgia on line one. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey. You know, I'll tell you why the uh, uh, it'll never happen, the end times. Because as soon as 20 to 40% of us disappear in elevators, on planes, other places where they can't disappear, we are all going to become believers. Now, I'm an atheist. I'm the biggest atheist you ever met. But believe me, at that point, we're all going to become believers. So the whole story falls apart after that. Kevin, you make a great point, and thank you for the call. See, that's the thing I never understood about all these books and movies and video games and stuff. They say, and then, you know, we'll get sucked up into the sky by the Jesus uh, vacuum, uh, you know, Hoover vacuum. And, and after we do that, then people still won't believe. And I go, wait a minute, say that again? Okay, when 20% of you get sucked into the sky, believe me, everyone believes. Sign me okay. up. Yeah. yeah nobody that said guy was standing right there, and this huge vacuum came from the sky, scooped him up, his clothes were still there. I swear to freaking God, I'm going to convert. Where do I go? Yeah. At that point, I'm not like, I'm still fighting you. I'm like, oh, okay, look, dude, I was wrong. Hey, I was wrong. Okay. I'm sorry. I made I'm a, not Bush. I made, I'm not stay the course. I made a okay. huge, a, huge mistake, and I'm really sorry. I Believe me, I'll change course immediately when that happens. Uh, I, I don't think I would. You don't think so? Well, what if it wasn't God that sucked him up? Well, whoever could, sucked him up is a lot could, more powerful than we are. No, but right. just like, hey, as easily be alien. No, it's true. They they also, maybe they got, home maybe like God, sucked, maybe God sucked him up because he was like, oh, I cannot bear it with these people anymore. You're coming. And, you're coming. and you're coming. You're coming up to work. By the way, if the aliens are smart and if they got here, they certainly would be smart. That would be the ploy to use. Oh, like, I'd use it in a heartbeat if I was an alien. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, oh, send, send Jesus. <laughs> alien to come up, gay alien come up to the main guy, and be like, uh, you know, emperor. I just you got to read these books. <laughs> they're like, it's they're too easy. It's, it's ridiculous. Too we, easy. We already have the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody make a Jesus outfit. We're ninety percent of the way home. Shoot, we'll go to their president first. Then he'll hand us the planet. The people they'll come willingly. They'll be like, please take me. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. So I just want to take another quick minute to reiterate my thanks for all of the great support I've been getting uh, surrounding the whole podcast awards deal. Uh, first for the nominations, which has been you know, great exposure, get, you know, bringing new people into the audience. And then, of course, for uh, actually going and, and voting for the show and then taking the time to write in and, and tell me that you've done it. It's it's really, it's just been great. It certainly it certainly feels good to know that, uh, that I have such a supportive audience as I do. So uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go just to my website, and there's uh, right on the homepage the, the whole explanation of the podcast awards, and it's, um, it's going on right now through the end of this week. Uh, so... F- Friday, August 11th is the is the last day of voting for that. So, if you'd like to continue to support the show, that is uh, that's the way to do it right now. And I 
appreciated to the ends of the earth. So for information on that or anything else about the show, you can go to bestoftheleftpodcast.com where you can find the link to email me as well or just email direct to hippiesympathizer at gmail.com. And uh, also in the show notes of this and uh, all of the most recent shows, you can find the playlists for all the music that is used in the show. And just finally, I, I really just want to say uh, thanks for the, the support in any capacity you've given it, even if you don't think you've done anything, uh, if you've never written in, never, uh, never told a friend about it, never, never done anything in any capacity to support the show, you still show up as a little blip on my radar screen and just knowing that you guys are out there and, uh, and listening to, to the shows that I'm producing, it's really what keeps me going. So for every single one of you out there listening, thank you. Seriously. Um, I, 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 I love making the show and, uh, and, and you guys are, are what, um, are what, what motivates me to, uh, to keep on, keep on going. And because of that, I will speak to you again tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. The anti-Bush press makes terror Their interests are not your interests. Their truth is not your truth. The corporations have their media. Now we have ours. The Progressive Podcast Network. Welcome to Wake Up AM. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. Go to newmediarevolution.org. Progressive the Progressive Podcast Network. NewMediaRevolution.org. NewMediaRevolution.org.